good morning. And so we are back this week with another chapter from the book of Nehemiah as we continue in our series, Building to Last. Didn't Fiona do such an excellent job last week looking at chapter four, all around facing opposition to the build? How actually whenever we do something of significance for God, we can expect to become to come under attack. And, and she looked at how Nehemiah and the people stood up to these attacks. And so if you missed last week, I really recommend that you go back and catch up. You can do that via our YouTube channel. And so this week we're continuing with this theme of hitting challenges amongst the building process. Nehemiah encounters yet another issue in this process of building. And so why don't we just dive straight in and read together Nehemiah chapter 5. Now the men and their wives raised a great outcry against their Jewish brothers. Some were saying, we and our sons and daughters are numerous and in order for us to eat and stay alive, we must get grain. Others were saying, we are mortgaging our fields, our vineyards and our homes to get grain during the famine. Still others were saying, we have had to borrow money to pay the king's tax on our fields and vineyards. Although we are of the same flesh and blood as our countrymen, and though our sons are as good as theirs, yet we have to subject our sons and daughters to slavery. Some of our daughters have already been enslaved, but we are powerless because our fields and our vineyards belong to others. When I heard the outcry and these charges, I was very angry. I pondered them in my mind and then accused the nobles and officials. I told them, you are exacting usury from your own countrymen. So I called together a large meeting to deal with them and said, as far as possible, we have brought back our Jewish brothers who are sold to the Gentiles. Now you are selling your brothers only for them to be sold back to us. They kept quiet because they could find nothing to say. So I continued, what you're doing is not right. Shouldn't you walk in the fear of our God to avoid the reproach of our Gentile enemies? I and my brothers and my men are also lending the people money and grain, but let the exacting of usury stop. Give back to them immediately their fields, vineyards, olive groves and houses, and also the usury you are charging them, the hundredth part of the money, grain, new wine and oil. We will give it back, they said, and we will not demand anything more from them. We will do as you say. Then I summoned the priests and made the nobles and officials take an oath to do what they had promised. I also shook out the folds of my robe and said, In this way may God shake out of his house and possessions every man who does not keep this promise. So may such a man be shaken out and emptied. At this the whole assembly said Amen and praised the Lord, and the people did as they had promised. Moreover, from the twentieth year of King Artaxerxes, I was appointed to be their governor in the land of Judah until its thirty-second year, twelve years. Neither I nor my brothers ate the food allotted to the governor, but the earlier governors, those preceding me, placed a heavy burden on the people and took forty shekels of silver from them in addition to food and wine. Their assistants also lorded it over the people, but out of reverence for God I did not act like that. Instead, I devoted myself to the work of the wall. All my men were assembled there for the work. We did not acquire any land. Furthermore, 150 Jews and officials ate at my table, as well as those who came to us from surrounding nations. Each day, one ox, six sheep and some poultry were prepared for me, and every ten days an abundant supply of wine of all kinds. In spite of all this, I never demanded the food allotted to the governor, because the demands were heavy on the people. Remember me with favour, O oh, oh my God, for all I have done for these people. Amen. Great. So here we see a new issue. 
and this time it's a social and an economic one. The Jewish people have come from all over to help with the building process. Many have given up their jobs and their regular income in order to commit and be able to give their full energy to rebuilding the wall. And to make matters worse, they're in a time of famine. See, the whole region is in crisis. But like so often when crisis hits, it can affect people very differently. I saw a, a post on Facebook talking about the pandemic at the moment and it described it like this. We may be in the same storm, but we all have different boats. And I thought that was quite a good description in a way of what we see here. In this moment of crisis, in the middle of a famine, you know, some people we see here have the equivalent of a life raft. You know, they're barely clinging on in the midst of this crisis. While others, maybe those that are better off, it's like they're in luxury yachts, you know, barely paying attention to the storm outside with little regard for how much others may be suffering. We see how the poor, the ones with a, a limited income, they've become so desperate in this story that they've had to sell members of their family into slavery, as was the way in the day. And to make matters worse, the rich among the Jewish people were using this as an opportunity to make profit rather than to help their fellow Jews. Verse 1 says, Now the men and their wives raised a great outcry against their Jewish brothers. And so it's into this that we see Nehemiah respond. And so how? What does he do? You know, first of all, we see that he's angry. You know, he understands that what they're doing is wrong and that opposition and is actually an opposition to the heart of God for his people, for God's family. And in verse seven, it says that he pondered this in his mind. You know, I think there's a great lesson there. You know, often when we experience the emotion of anger, it can be really easy to react you know, sometimes there are situations where anger is a legitimate feeling. You know, Nehemiah had legitimate anger in this situation. You know, that's when our anger and our, um, the emotion of anger needs to be paid attention to. However, often it's really unhelpful to react in anger. You know, often it's in those hot-headed moments that that gets us in trouble. And so this situation didn't need an angry reaction, but it did need a response. And so Nehemiah paused. And he pondered what he heard and he considered his response. He didn't react in anger, but rather he responded with great conviction. See, Nehemiah understood it wasn't God's heart to see his people oppressed. It wasn't God's heart to see his people hungry and starving. And it wasn't God's heart to see his people bound in slavery. And more than that, he understood that it was his responsibility to help those who had not. Carol Wimber, when reflecting on the call of the Vineyard Church to serve the poor, uh, once said, you know, one day we have, we have food on the table, peace in our home and provision for our education. On another day, we might be the have-not, in need of someone to share the resource and influence to help us change the circumstance we're in. The have-not needs the haves and their supply, but the haves also need the have-nots to give meaning to the gifts that God has placed in our hands. So part of the purpose that God gives us when he gives us resource is to help the poor. And Nehemiah in this passage, he understands that rebuilding a broken city is not simply about a sound structure, but actually a city is its people. It's the businesses, it's the way people interact, it's, it's creating a culture of kindness and generosity. A healthy city is one that looks after each other, who serves the poor and doesn't take advantage of them in their moment of crisis. 
It's about a healthy community that meets the needs of the less fortunate or people who have become a victim of their circumstances. And so Nehemiah speaks into this issue with great conviction and authority. He understands God's heart for the poor. You know, I have to be honest, as I've prepared this passage this week, I have felt so personally challenged. And so everything that I'm sharing today is out of a place of real personal challenge. As I've began to see um, a new emphasis of God's heart for the least, the last and the lost. And this is so abundantly clear throughout the Bible. that Actually, God has such a special place in his heart for the poor. You know, in the Bible, poverty is mentioned directly or indirectly more than 2,000 times. It's close to God's heart. So what can we draw from today's passage? You know, I think we, we, as we think about building, as we think about this theme of building to last, I think what we see here is that we also need to prioritise the poor. And so that's the title of today's talk is prioritising the poor. So, so how do we do that? Firstly, as God's people, we need to learn to catch his heart for the poor. And how do we do that? I think we've already mentioned, in part, we start by reading the Bible. We start by reading his word and finding out more about the character and the nature of God's heart for the poor. We can see throughout this book how important uh, they are to God, from the Old Testament right through to the New. And so a couple of scriptures I was just looking at this week. So in Deuteronomy 10, 18, it says, He defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow, giving him food and clothing. Or in Deuteronomy 15, 11, I command you to be open hearted towards your brothers and towards the poor and needy in your land. You know, this was the exact command that the officials and nobles are violating in Nehemiah 5. There's so many more. But even as we look to the New Testament, we see that caring for the poor is actually the very heart of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. Luke 4, 18, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. Matthew 25, 40, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. James 1, 27, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in distress. Now, those are just a handful and there are so many more verses as we were to study the Bible around this issue. And I think the truth is that we cannot follow Jesus and not have a heart for the poor. We can't follow Jesus and not have a heart for those who feel powerless, the least, the last and the lost. As a vineyard church, one of our absolute values is to remember the poor. And so we can't build God's kingdom. You know, we can't build a church here in Stirling and not have it have an impact on the poor in our city. And so my prayer for us is that we would firstly catch God's heart, that we would understand that this is a high value to the heart of God. And then secondly, that we would do something about it. So how do we prioritise the poor? Firstly, we catch God's heart through reading his word and through prayer and listening to him. And then secondly, we give, we activate, we do something about it. We need to give where we see that there's a need. See, having a heart for the poor or understanding God's heart isn't enough. We actually need to do something about it. 
And I think often it can be overwhelming when we watch the news and see how much poverty there is in the world. You know, it's easy to, for us to think, you know, what possible difference can I make? And I'm often reminded in those incidents about that story that I'm sure lots of us are familiar with about the boy who was walking with a friend and came across a beach that was covered in starfish, thousands and thousands of starfish. And the boy began picking up one at a time and throwing it back into the sea. And his friend said to him, what are you doing? You'll never manage to make a difference. There are so many. And then the boy looks back at him, picks up another starfish, throws it in the sea and says to him, it made a difference to that one. Yeah, I love that. You know, let's just start where we're at. What are the needs of even one person that is right in front of us? Who, even in our church family, in our neighbourhoods, who could we give to or bless? Who are we aware that there is something that they are in need of? If you're given financially into the life of Stirling Vineyard, then you're supporting local charities here right in Stirling. So we give 10% of our monthly income away to support the work of local charities who are helping the poor in our city. Uh, and right now, that's two charities. Um, we give to Startup Sterling, which is our local food bank charity. Uh, and we also give to Christians Against Poverty. Uh, and Ailey Watson, she is our representative for Christians Against Poverty for Sterling Vineyard. And actually, in a few weeks, we're going to be learning a little bit more about that charity and what they do. Um, Fiona Walsh, who heads up uh, CAP in Forth Valley, she's going to be joining us to share a little bit more about the work they're doing. You know, and as we grow as a church, I'd love also for our impact to grow. And so I'm praying uh, as we're setting foundations that God would show us what are the areas that he's calling us to serve the poor in our cities. But we need to start where we're at. You know, let's start with what's in our hands and what's available to us now. Because actually we do live in a culture that values materialism and having lots of stuff. But the truth is that actually for many of us, we have more than enough. You know, I feel deeply challenged by this as I prepared this message in my own life. Uh, and I know I need to give more. I know I need to be more generous. I know I need to be less concerned about having lots of stuff. So, so I'm preaching to myself today. You know, when we give to the poor, we are giving to God. As Luke 14, 13 uh, says, although they can't repay you, you'll be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. When we give to the poor and we give to those who are in need, we are building our rewards in heaven. You know, maybe some of us like investing. Well, let's be investing in our heavenly inheritance. And so we need God's heart and we need to give. And lastly, what I see in this passage is that as God's people, we also need to fight against injustice. Nehemiah's response was strong. You know, he didn't walk away and leave it for God to deal with. He understood that as a leader in that city, he had the authority to change a culture. In verse 14, it says, uh, we see how King Artaxerxes had appointed Nehemiah to be governor in Judah. And so that was a position that came with perks. He was entitled to wealth, taken from the people, as well as an abundance of food and wine in a time of famine. And your previous governors had enjoyed these benefits and lorded it over the people. But Nehemiah was different. He knew this wasn't God's heart for him and he knew that his position actually enabled him to help rather than to oppress. So he used his power and position to help. He had devoted himself to the building of the wall, getting his hands dirty, getting alongside the people, standing shoulder to shoulder with them. All he had, he shared, inviting hundreds of people to come and share his food allocation, the food that was rightfully his. 
He looked to do it differently to those who had gone before him. He looked to set a new culture in that city. He stood up against the injustice of the other nobles and officials, and he challenged the status quo. And so he was alone in that. You know, he was kind of out there, but he was brave as he challenged these men in authority in the region. So Nehemiah knew who he was uh, and knew what God's heart was for his people. See, he understood not just the authority he had as a governor, but actually the greater authority he had been given as a follower of God to build in that city. I wonder if we are people that God can entrust with responsibility. Are we people that God can entrust with great wealth and riches? You know, often it's easy to think, God, once I get my dream job with my dream salary, I'm going to help the poor. But actually, the question isn't, what will you do with a million pounds? But rather, what will you do with a hundred? What will you do with 50? Even what would you do with an extra 10 pounds? You know, if we can't give away when it comes to small amounts, then we can't be trusted with the larger amounts. And I think God is looking for influencers and resourcers to help build the kingdom and to see cultures change, to see the poor taken care of. And he's looking for people who are stewarding well what's in their hand today so that he can bring the increase. See, the more we give, the more we can be trusted with. So as we build, we need to remember the poor. And and so just as we finish this talk today, I just wanted to share um, just a quote from John Wimber as he reflected on how uh, we are called to serve the poor. And actually, John Wimber himself was well known for keeping a bag of food shopping in the bit of his car and constantly looking for someone to give to, someone to bless. And he said this, many Christians and Christian leaders have been neutralized by the love of money and materialism. The homage paid to affluence becomes a burden that saps our energy as well as our love for God and other people. It's through repentance and the cleansing of forgiveness that we can rid ourselves of this burden and began to let God transform our value system. Like Jesus and Paul, we can learn to be content with what we have, living modestly in order that we can give liberally to the work of the kingdom of God and meet the needs of others. It's with the resources in our hands that we desire to invest in the good news being shared with the poor. You know, I feel so challenged by those words. And I'd love us just to finish in prayer this morning as we just invite God to to change our value system and to show us his heart for the poor. So so why don't we pray together now? (laughs) Thank you, God. Just come, Holy Spirit. Father, I personally feel deeply challenged by this passage today. God, we just see throughout your word, your heart for the poor. And God, I just want to pray this morning that you would open our hearts to hear that, Lord. You would um, just transform our thinking in this area, Lord. Father, we live in a culture which is all about materialism and collecting possessions. But actually, your heart is for us to give and for us to bless people. Holy Spirit, right now, would you come and soften our hearts? Lord, would you come and break our hearts for the poor in this city? Father, would you show us even the small differences that we could be making today? Lord, we want to give you this as our act of worship. Show us who we can help. 
teach us your ways so that we can walk fully in them, Lord. Father, break the power of materialism that that holds our hearts. Lord, would you give us a new generosity? Just help us, Lord. It's an area that can be so hard, but thank you for the joy of being able to give. Thank you for the joy of being able to bless. Lord, would we be people that you can truly trust with your resources to help build your kingdom? God, just search our hearts this morning. Just come and fill us afresh today, I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen.